Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Saywood on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast that aims to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joining you from a blue shed nearby. And I'm joined by a man who has casual chats with the likes of Will Buxton on Twitter about popping over to his house. It's the very friendly and not at all intimidating Joe Sayward. How's it going, Joe? I'm feeling very intimidating right now because I can't make this damn machine work. So, um, yeah, fine. I'm, you know, whatever. I'm still battling on surviving. So you uh, are still continuing to take your branded hot drink medicine? No, I'm not. I'm not anymore, but I'm just, you know, I'm just, it's just, too boring to have to work all the time this is supposed to be holidays and i'm i've been flat out ever since i got back the only excitement i've had is a couple of night out i went to versailles the other night and uh hung out with all the all the hoi polloi you know so is this the uh the fia event was it yeah Ah, where they made lots of announcements and uh, lots of people all dressed up very beautifully. Well, it was totally bizarre. God only knows how much it cost. It must have cost a fortune. But it was very jolly if you happen to be there. Uh, And there's a lovely picture of me on Facebook with Chase Carey in the Hall of Mirrors. And I was explaining to him at the time what the Hall of Mirrors was because he hadn't been there before. So I told him that the First World War was ended in that room. Everyone thinks it was ended on the Western Front, but it wasn't. So... Oh, very interesting. Um, shall I pretend to know about history to continue that conversation? No. Ah, no. Phew. No. So uh, was that the event that Lewis Hamilton decided to to shirk the dress code? Uh, no, no, he wouldn't shirk. He just dressed how he wanted to dress. There's nothing wrong with that. So A he lot- didn't go to the Autosport Awards, which I was also at. He didn't go there because he considers it to be a commercial event. Which is fair enough. He did the next day go to the BRDC, which is a non-commercial event. And I think his view is that if somebody's making money off him, which is what uh, they seem to be doing at Autosport, 
then uh, if they want him, they should presumably pay him. I don't know if they've got round to talking money, but um, he didn't turn up anyway, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with that. It's just, you know, there are so many uh, prize-giving events this this last few days. It's just ridiculous. But the one you went to is the one where he was officially crowned as the four-time world champion. I went to Autosport and I went to uh, the, the, the FIA as well. So I did both, yeah. Awesome. So a lot of people, though, did get really upset with Lewis. Do you, do you think that he sets out to do that? Or do you just think he just gets up in the morning and goes, oh, we're that smart thing today? Have these people never heard of James Hunt? He used to turn up barefoot at black tie <laughs> events. You know, this is 150 years ago. You know, racing drivers are their own thing. I mean, yeah, sure, they should turn up in the gear. That would be the polite thing to do. But if they don't want to, Lewis wanted to turn up looking like he fell out of Las Vegas brothel. But who cares? Sorry, am I allowed to say brothel? No, uh, no. You, look, I don't want to put you on edge, Joe. You speak how you want. We'll save it in post most of the time. Okay, so he turned up wearing a spangly goldy thing, which wasn't black tie at all, which was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. You know, he he looked a, a little bit out of place. Nobody else was wearing the same sort of thing, but you know, that was what he wanted to do. So and you... he's the world he's the world champion. He has to attend because they tell him to. So if he'd turn up wearing a fig leaf, that would have been fine, probably. I take it you were there dressed in a tuxedo, were you, Joe? I was I was very attractive, I have to say, yes. So just out of curiosity, what did have the... you not have you not seen the picture? Oh no, go on, put it in the Skype chat or something or, or something like that and dig it out. Okay. But while you're doing there it is. While you're doing so, uh just <laughs> curious, does the invitation because I, I know you're saying it doesn't matter, but I've been arguing with people all week because I don't think it matters either. Does the invitation say, Oi, all of you, world champion or not, stick a tux on? Dress code, black tie and evening dress. Yes, it does. Ah, in that case. Yeah. Come on, Lewis. Wear a tux. What are you doing? What are you holding up to the camera? Table 66. Oh, so you get sat at a random table. Which high-flying celebrities were you sat with? No, no, I wasn't sat with any celebrities. I was sat with journalists, which is the worst possible combination. I'm trying to find where it says black tie. (laughs) Oh, there it is. There it is. Where my finger is, you see? Yes, I can. Yeah. Dress code. Black tie and evening dress. Is it back to front? No, no, I can read it just fine. Um, no. Well, there you go, Lewis. You should have you should have worn a tuxedo. That's terrible. We can hang him now, presumably. Well, he considers that to be evening dress, I suppose. So why why would we hang him? I, I don't care. The fact that he was there was enough. And, you know, good for him. Everyone else dressed slightly differently. There wasn't anybody apart from the deputy president of the FIA a sport who wore purple which was a bit gruesome. He looked like a bishop who got lost. But um, apart from that, everything else was fine. I don't like um, the having to be all stuffy and stuff. I remember the days where going to a nightclub, you had to wear a dress shirt and dress trousers. Do you? Yeah, yeah. In the like late 90s, if you wanted to go to a, a nightclub with music and stuff to stay out late, well, you had to... You obviously, you obviously haven't been to the Purple Pussycat in West Hampstead. You get away with anything there. Ah, well, it was years ago, I have to say. If anybody out there, by the way, can remember the Purple Pussycat in West Hampstead, you win a prize, which I will uh, get as a jelly baby sent in the post, you know, so. Email notspannersready at gmail.com for all the information on whatever it was Joe just said. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, like, I do like those events. Nice and glamorous. Does it mean anything that all the drivers, though, are now part of the Grand Prix Drivers Association? And who wasn't before? 
No, it's all rubbish. Is it? So this is the thing that Roman Grosjean is the boss of, and he gets to tell on everyone, is it? No, he's not the boss, is he? Oh, I thought he was the driver rep. The Grand Prix Drivers Association, I think, is headed by Alexander Wurtz, last time I looked. Oh, okay. I'm getting confused. Um, Roman Grosjean may be on the board. I don't know. It's usually old blokes, because the young guys don't care. Young guys are happy to kill themselves because they, they want to be world champions. Then once you get rich and old, then you become on the board of the GPDA. I see. Well, Joe, in no small part, thanks to you, Missed Apex podcast has grown a great deal. And we've had the opportunities for lots of content. And this whole thing has overtaken my free time in general. So I'm going to try and impose on myself a 20-day ban where I don't think about the podcast and I don't message anyone about it and I don't go on Twitter. Now, Fatal Drum wants to know, what does a Joe Say would do in the off-season? Can you ever just turn off from motorsport and leave it alone? I wish. No, I, since I got back, I've worked nonstop, absolutely nonstop. I've traveled a bit. I went to England and back. I've been to various stuff. I've done various things. I've written endlessly. Um, if you look at the blog, you'll find that every day there's articles on the blog. Um, I've written for lots of other things. There's a Grand Prix Plus that's being produced at the moment. I have to do my weekly newsletter. I have uh, magazines that actually pay, you know, this kind of stuff. So... No, it's flat out at the moment. I'm looking forward to next week when everything's hopefully done and I will shut down. I will actually put up a sign saying gone fishing, even if it's ice fishing, um, and close the blog down because I need time off. I'm I'm basically rooted, as they say in Australia. Now, it doesn't mean I'm like a tree. It means I'm tired. It means you're done. So how, how long do you have off then? A couple of weeks? I haven't even thought about it, but I guess if Christmas Day... New Year's Day, that's a week, isn't it? And nothing will happen until uh, the Monday after that. But probably most people will take the week off. So probably about the 7th of January. I don't know. The thing is that if there's no news to write, there's no news to write. But I'll keep writing anyway because I do these fascinating Formula One facts. I don't know if you've read them. But every day you can read about something fascinating in Formula One which is a self-imposed burden I've created on myself. But <laughs> Did it um, seem like a good idea to start with? And then you go, ah, oh, stay 16. No, 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 because at the end of it, you put it all in the book and you sell the book. So Ah, because there's 100 days left, isn't there, till Australia? I don't know if there are, but I'm going to stop at 100. So if I get a few days off, that's a good thing. I haven't even calculated. Last year, I did exactly 100. And uh, this year, I'll do exactly 100 as well. You're so. quite a prolific writer. I didn't realize you'd actually written a book that wasn't about Formula One. I know you did the Grand Prix Saboteurs, but you also did, a, was it Dr. Crippen? I did one of the, I've done lots of things, but I don't tell everybody everything I do. Oh, you can um, tell us, Joe. It's okay. In fact, I've got a little excerpt of the Dr. Crippen book when, uh, when, uh, I, when someone pointed uh, it to me. Have you? Yeah, yeah, it's well, here. That, there's this one here. Grand this, is the fame, this is the Grand Prix Saboteurs, which is an absolutely astonishingly brilliant book, even though I set myself, but it's just actually the story that's good, not the writing. Um, and the other one, I'm not even sure I have a copy of it. Hang on. Well, I'll give the readers a little bit of an excerpt to see if it tempts oh, yeah. them. Yeah. Hold on. The old man was dying. It was to be expected at the age of 91, but Henry Kendall clung on stubbornly to life. He did not want to let go. That's some great writing there, Joe. God, if, only, if only that could be an audio book. That's true. That's the first two lines. I've just read it. His children knew that the time had come, and their children too. Everyone knew that it was just a matter of days. Yeah, I, I don't remember that, but there you are. This is my great-grandfather, by the way. Is it? Get out. 
Well, that's how I wrote the book. So, ah. um, and uh, because he's my great grandfather, I've got piles and piles of lovely stuff about him all over the place, which I could show you if I was really being boring. But um, yeah, he's just a fantastic bloke. He survived everything that life could throw at him, including bombs, torpedoes, sharks, snakes, scorpions, um, shipwrecks, murderers. Um, icebergs, you name it. He's done it all. He's dead now, bless him. Because the one thing he couldn't beat was time. Curse you, Father Time. But I did actually meet him. When I was a very small boy, I met him. And I remember him in, in my in my sort of subconscious, this strange old man who used to turn his sofa upside down when I went to visit, and we'd go and look for treasure together. <laughs> when you've had an so. interesting life like that, you can't help but rub the character off on your kids and grandkids. And great-grandkids, which is what I am. So there you are. Anyway, all this, I've, I've given him a decent write-up because he deserves it. Because anyone who's done everything that he did is a remarkable fellow. Anyway, he's got nothing to do with motor racing. So, Well, I can tell the motor racing has kind of waned, Joe, because not only do your conversations and yarns go off in a different direction, but you're on Twitter a lot and you can sit and have a casual conversation with will buxton and i have to admit i got a little bit excited when he suggested doing a podcast together and i was thinking i do a podcast that joe's on do you, do you think you could persuade him to come and come and say hello no i can ask i mean will will will's a fine fellow so i don't see why he wouldn't do it well he's a megastar well he's he's just a fine fellow megastar is in the eyes of the beholders you know so as I think I told you the story the last time, you know, when Will came to the beach and we and asked me how to become a Formula One journalist. So I don't look upon Will as a megastar. I know he's oh, I bit my tongue. Um, I don't look upon it. Will you stop laughing? It's not funny. Um, I don't look upon him as a megastar, but maybe he is. But, you know, he's a jolly nice fellow. And uh, he was in Paris this week. Completely ignored me, of course, because uh, but I wasn't there all the time either. So. I got stuck because of English airports being unable to cope with snow. I think what's endeared people to Will Buxton is we've gotten kind of a bit fed up of ex-racing drivers, local celebrities, Justin Bieber doing the podium stuff. When Will comes on to do like the stuff in the US, uh, the stuff with Senna's helmet, he just nails it because he's actually a proper communicator. Yeah, he, he's a little um, – I'm always a bit worried that he might wet himself. You know, he's excited. He, <laughs> He's so excited, exactly, yeah. I mean, he is... Oh, sorry, if I said the wrong thing No, again. it's fine, it's fine, it's good. You carry on, Joe. <laughs> uh, he just, he's just very enthusiastic, sometimes a little bit too enthusiastic, I've always felt. But, you know, that's what people like, so good for him. And I take my hat off to him, he's achieved a great deal. Yes, absolutely. Um, but people are insistent that I ask you about Robert a different kind of person altogether. Uh, we hinted at it at the end of the live stream and we edited that out of the final video simply because it was after the episode had finished. Yet it still generated like a, a hundred comment uh, thread on on Reddit. It's incredible the amount of uh, kind of feedback and comments that you can generate and about, oh, is that your face at Reddit? Yeah, me too, but... No, 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 I just kicked myself on my desk. That was all, so... That's fine, no one saw. Um, ah, but yeah, yes. obviously most people on there uh, respect you very, very much. There's a lot of conspirators. Uh, I guess there's a lot of people with every journalist who'll say, well, in that case, it's the opposite of that. Um, but basically, you were saying to us that it looked like he wasn't going to get the drive. Um, but my question immediately would be, how many millions off the pace was he? 
a long way off the pace. In money or in lap time? No, 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 in lap time. And think back, go back two or three podcasts, and I think I sort of dismissed him coming back fairly dramatically. And people said, well, a load of rubbish, Jose, which is not what he's talking about. If he was going to come back, he was tested by Renault. If he was so good, how come Renault didn't take him? Yes, and there was a particular person who had a big rant at you and me on Twitter. So that particular person, I'm sure now, will just simply tweet us to say, uh, sorry about that, Joe and Spanners, but uh, Joe was right all along. No, I have a vague... You see, the thing about Twitter is that nobody ever apologizes for being rude to you afterwards. So um, it's just the way of the world, and one has to have broad shoulders to take the pain. Okay, well, I'm getting there, but obviously riding on the coattails of people talking about you and by reflection, I've got a lot of shrapnel going dink, 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 having to get used to it, but it's fun. It's really fun. Do you still enjoy getting talked about on the internet? No. No. No, no, no. I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not doing it to be talked about. I'm doing it because I'm trying, as I've always tried to do, I'm trying to inform and amuse people. Now, if people want to take issue with what I say, that's, that's their problem ultimately. Uh, because I have a view, and my view is is based on um, what I have collected, information I have collected. So if they have a different view, maybe they have better information than I do, in which case, why aren't they full-time professional journalists? Or they're talking a lot of bleep. I did it for you. And so normally people who come on there are some people, I have to say, there are quite a few engineers who appear on my blog under different names for different reasons. And so sometimes people do know better than me. The trouble is, I don't know which ones do and which ones don't. I know a couple of this, the, um, what do they call them? Handles. Um, I know a couple of people and I know their handles. So I know when I, when I read their stuff, I go, okay, this bloke knows. But, you know, it would save an awful lot of time if everyone just told me to begin with and and stopped sort of playing games. But the fact is that Robert didn't deliver on lap time, and that's what was important. If he had delivered, the money he had behind him would probably have been enough. He didn't deliver. He was like, when you do all the calculations, apparently, so I'm told, he's four-tenths off. And four-tenths is, is, if you're four-tenths off stroll, that's not good. Oh, he was four tenths so, off stroll. Yeah. So, and everybody, everybody so far has been off the pace of Felipe, and Felipe's off the pace. So, what does that tell you? What tells me is that you're going to need to go and hire Pascal Verlein, who at least will be on the pace so that the team will have something to get excited about. But I'm sure that Lawrence Stroll, father of Lance, probably wouldn't like that because he doesn't want anybody there who's going to make his sun looks slow so maybe there'll be some um quid pro quos necessary but i don't uh, all i know is that i don't want to see williams arriving next year with two drivers one of which is not fast i want to i want two fast drivers because that's how teams make progress now if it's a question of surviving and they need the money that's another question so Dakota's asking, how did Shirotkin suddenly become a contender? Because it, it sort of seems like before the test, he came out of nowhere. I, I'm guessing the answer is about $15 million. No, no, no. He's quick. Shirotkin has always been quite quick. He has no racing experience in Formula One. Uh, it took him a while to win 
uh, win races in in Formula Two as is now GP two. Um, but he's not stupid. But he is backed by some people called SMP, um, who seem to have endless amounts of money and only banned in certain countries. You know, so um, SMP are two brothers um, who are very close to a man called Putin. Gasp! Does this have anything to do with wanting a Russian driver? at the Russian Grand Prix then? Well, if we don't have uh, Danny Kvyat, who seems to be kicked out of Red Bull, there will not be a Russian driver at the Russian Grand Prix, apart from perhaps Marzipan, uh, who might get a uh, sort of look in on a, on a Force India Friday morning job. So d- and, and to be fair, Nikki, I think he's called Nikki, Nik- Nikita Marzipan, the son, he's a jolly nice chap. He's gone to a very nice school in England, speaks very proper English, just like this, this sort of stuff. But his daddy is, you know, he's big on in uh, chemicals in the Urals and things, you know. Obviously a well-connected chap. He's quite fun. I actually, I met his dad and thought he was quite amusing. So, um, But I don't know if, if uh, Marzipan Jr. is fast enough. So you're still talking about lots of different candidates. I mean, really, we were getting the impression that Shrotkin really is the lead guy at Williams now in the box seat. No, he may be, but you cannot seriously go into a season. Sirotkin is sufficiently unproven for me. He has no experience in Formula One. So if you go in there with, with Sirotkin and you go in there with Stroll with one year's experience, and he should have sat out the year before, you know, he should have sat out the year and done Formula Two. He came in far too early. So to go into next year with those two is not sound in a in a racing sense. Now, if they have to do it from a financial point of view, that's another question. But if you want to go in there, motivate the team and do the best you can, you just very simply, you pick up the phone to Toto and say, Toto, knock a bit off the price for the engines. And bingo, bango, Pascal Verlaine arrives and he's quick. We know that Pascal's quick. So, you know, he may he may have upset some people in the past because he has forthright views, because he's German, because he's this, because he's that, whatever. Doesn't matter, he's quick. Okay, no more insulting Germans with naughty words, though, because I, I have to take your flack from that, Joe. But uh, Insulting Germans with... Have I insulted Do you any not Germans? remember the last podcast? Because the internet nope. remembers. What uh, did I say? Well, there's a, a Vettel subreddit on... Uh, on reddit and uh don't go there don't ever go there uh so but pascal verline is very much fancied by toto wolf who was recently in a news article saying he should be in f1 so what you're kind of hinting at here is that this seems likely no it's not likely because it's down to money but if i was williams that's what i would do but i don't know the finances of williams maybe they need to do it so it's a balancing act. You have to survive. Aidan uh, Johnson saying, had Stroll done F2, Leclerc would have humiliated him and that would have upset Daddy Stroll as well. Well, I'm not sure he would have done because you have to remember who owns the team that Leclerc drove for. And besides, his name is Leclerc. What Le- did I say? Leclerc. I think I think that's exactly Leclerc. how I said it. Leclerc. No, it didn't sound like that every, in my old county. Every, every Anglo person, Anglo-Saxon in the world says Leclerc. His name is Leclerc. The C is silent, as in... No, I won't go there. Um, the C's are silent, so Leclerc. Le, 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 le. Got it. Le, Leclerc. Oh, only no, no, one no. C. Right. 
Okay. The last C Got is it. silent. I'm with you. I'm with you now. Leclerc. So the difference, though, between having two guys can, who... Can you can you pass that on to... Uh, what's that thing called? Sky Television, too, so they get it right as well. Right, yes, of course. I'll use my Sky contacts wouldn't be here in my shed if i had sky contacts joe uh but just knock a hole in the roof you'll have sky contacts yeah dakota spelt it correctly there charles leclerc there we go i've got it now i think okay good yeah so i mean williams having these two unproven guys if um shirotkin's not matching uh stroll or is only doing the same stroll the difference could be between making q3 or struggling to get out of q1 because if because we uh, stroll was sometimes 0.7 behind massa it was significant wasn't it on occasion yeah but there were also engine issues to be borne in mind it wasn't all as bad as it looked and and stroll had one or two good races let's be fair yes so, when everybody else know, crashed yeah but he, nonetheless he didn't and he made it and he did a good job so now you can't write him off totally what i'm saying is that in the overall scheme of things You've got to have somebody. It's not just about having the results. The results are very important because it's the money. But you also have to have somebody who motivates the team. And young drivers who are not quick do not motivate teams. So you need to have a Leclerc. Leclerc will arrive at Sauber. And Sauber, the people who love racing, of which are most of them, will get excited about him because he's young and he's and he's quick. They're already, you know, they're they're not particularly excited about Ericsson because Ericsson's quick enough, but not that quick. And Verline has showed him the way. But the gap was closing to Verline, and we were hearing, I can't remember if it was you or from someone else, that actually Ericsson was getting favoured with the parts and the setup, etc., as if he was the number one driver. Well, I wasn't, I didn't say that, that he was being favoured, but... um, I've certainly heard that said, and it would certainly make sense because, generally speaking, there's no reason why a guy in his whatever number of years Ericsson's been in Formula One would suddenly be closing on a new boy. It doesn't make sense. Now, if they were trying to make Ericsson look good, that would make sense. I'm not saying they were, but that would make sense. But nonetheless, a guy who's been in, I mean, Ericsson's been around since Caterham days and Caterham has been gone for years. So you're talking about, um, I think it's called flogging a dead horse, really. I quite agree, Joe. I think I've been on the record of not being a fan of his, but like you say, they're all good, even the ones that are terrible, like Stroll and Ericsson. No, I don't think Stroll's terrible. I don't think Ericsson's terrible, but they're all you know, it, it's about, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and Verlaine's better than both of them. You're not being a sports fan, Joe. You're either amazing or terrible. That's how it works. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Don't worry, Sorry, I'll, I, I'll, I'll teach you how to I, sports. I do apologise. We're both amazing, and everyone else is terrible. That's what it is. Score. Sam, Sam Wheatley asks a random question, and I did uh, promise you some random questions, didn't I, Joe? If you could assemble any two drivers or owners for a pint and a nice long chat... Who is making up this dream team? And then I'll add, what are you drinking and where are we all going? Because I'm coming, right? So you want to know who I want to go out and have a drink with who drives racing cars or organizes racing teams? Yeah, hmm. yeah. you, me, and, and two other people. I've changed it slightly. <laughs> okay. Your, uh, it's your well, round. So you've, you've, you've changed it from the being two drivers and two team principals to just being two people. 
two drivers, two team principals, and and me okay. getting free drinks. So it's, yeah. so it's yeah. six people. Okay, yeah. I just want in. Um, I would. Who would I choose? I would choose. I'd actually choose Sebastian Vettel as one. A current driver, Sebastian Vettel. Would you tell him your current view of him? My current view of him is that he doesn't give enough away. And I think that's why I'd invite him because uh-huh. it'd be interesting to find out what he's really like. He's a very intelligent guy. Um, he has one or two character flaws I think we know about, but I'd like to get to know him better. And he doesn't, he doesn't give away much. Um, I think the other one would be probably Dan Ricardo just because he's fun. He does seem and, like a genuinely funny bloke. No, he's, he's, a, he's a genuinely funny bloke, yeah. And that's that's nice. I like that. So, um, again, I don't know him particularly well, but he just seems to be always happy, you know. And the thing is, with being a journalist nowadays, you don't really know any drivers very well. People pretend they do, but you don't because you don't have enough time to spend with them. So, you know what um, Daniel Ricciardo does, though, that a lot of the other drivers doesn't, and it kind of gets lost in his cheeky, chappy thing. Is he's actually very cutting about what he thinks about other drivers over the radio when he's got an opinion. I think he said he wanted to choke Max out after he bumped into him and bust his side pod in Hungary. He's actually a really super honest and open guy. But because he pulls it off with a bit of charm, people kind of go, oh, <laughs> if Hamilton no, said he wanted to choke someone out, it would be front page news. Yeah, but he's allowed to because he works for Red Bull. You see, the media is silly about about Lewis. So, anyway, in terms of the team principles, who would I have? Um, hmm, that's a good question, actually. I think mine um, would be Toto currently because he again you know, seems to- like someone who's quite honest and open, and I think he gives it to you reasonably straight. Yeah, I like Toto. I got a lot of time for him, um, but you know. I generally insult him. So, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> no, no, we're the, we have the relationship, which is we, I, basically trying to teach him how to deal with English racing teams. We, uh, it was explained to him that you just have to be rude to people. So he's now rude to me all the time, which is fine. And I'm rude to him. So um, we get on very well. So I guess Toto would be one. And the other one, the other one, who would be the other one? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, I can tell you who it wouldn't be. Stefano Dominicali. <laughs> I love Stefano Dominicali, but he's not a team principal anymore. Oh so. no, I think oh did we did we not specify that it was it was any driver ever? Ah. Oh. Well okay, well let's roll with what we've got. Oh any team principal ever. That's yeah, another yeah, story completely. Yeah. There've been some there've been some very good ones. Um hmm. That's my I bad. Think, I, I think probably uh I mean I know uh well trying to work out who the team principal is at McLaren is quite complicated. So um, it makes it a bit more difficult, but no, I'd probably go for um, Horner because Christian is fun. Uh, he, he, he sometimes talks a lot of old rubbish, but you know, you know, he's doing it and he knows he's doing it. And so it's fine. He, he's um, quite happy to do a nod and a wink to the camera, isn't he? And uh, play little mind games and stuff, but also lets you in on that. The fact he's doing that. Yeah, I think that's fair. He knows he knows when he's talking rubbish, and 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 I've known him long enough to be able to say, "Christian, that's total rubbish," and he'll sort of go, "Yeah." You know, but that's the, the world. But that's the thing I'm going to say to you now, Joe. Sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. And he's going out with the second best Spice Girl. So, who's the best Spice Girl? Oh come on, it's Posh Spice, isn't it? It's got to be all day long. 
No. Oh, that means well, you've got that means you've got an opinion. Go on then. Who's your favourite Spice Girl, Joe? I've I've actually seen the Spice Girls, which is probably more than you have. What in a concert or just yeah. like dinner? You've been yeah. to a Spice Girls concert, Joe. I have. It's quite the revelation. Okay. And uh, do you know how? Do you know how? Sorry, how, on purpose. No. Do Do you know how it happened? Because I I I, I struggle to remember the year, but I think it was one of the most bizarre car launches I've ever been to was McLaren, probably 1997, when they had Manfred von Brauschitz and the Spice Girls on stage together with David Coulthard and Mika Hacken. And it was one of the most bizarre events I've ever been to. And it was spectacular. And I watched them all dancing. And I have to say that, yes, Sporty Spice was quite sporting. Um, and Into a gin, hockey and golf, yep. Gin, yeah, I suppose, yeah. If you, if you want to go into you know, rating the Spice Girls, I, I do. it was number two. So, yeah, yeah. But I did see, I actually saw them dancing and singing. Very good. Oh, what? David Shock, Cook's... Shocking, shocking though that may be. Yeah, <clears throat> David Cook's voting for Mel C. You see, everyone had a favourite. Everyone 35 plus has got a favourite. It's, uh, it's unavoidable. Um, oh, yes, Christian. I can't, I can't remember them all, to be honest. I don't. What, what's the fourth one called? Ringo, normally, isn't it? Scary. Ring, Ringo Spice. Yeah. Sport. There was Obtainable a Spice. Baby. There was a baby. There was a baby thing. Mel yeah. C was Obtainable Spice. I think that's why David Cook has, has chosen oh, that okay. one. But anyway, um, Christian is correct in the chat room who says, I stopped you answering who you would not invite for a pint and uh, out of a driver and a team owner of all time. VJ Malia. That's just because he doesn't like you for correctly calling him out on things. No, because he'd probably steal your wallet. Um, and the the other the other one I wouldn't invite is probably that dreadful man at Ferrari whose name I can't remember. Um, who is just Heathcliff? I always call him. I've forgotten his real name. Arriba Vene. Yes, Arriba Vene. Yeah. Sorry, I'm sure he's a very nice man because he's married to a very nice lady. So he must be a nice man deep down, but he doesn't come across awfully well. So there we are. Well, that's bad news. My wife's horrible. Don't judge me on her. I am nice. I'm genuinely nice. See, my my not invite one would be. I think I'm tempted to say Eddie Jordan because, frankly, he seems quite mad. But he must be quite talented. He got as far as he did. But some of the stuff he says is alarming, like genuinely alarming. <laughs> No, but Eddie's changed a lot. You know, when we were young and carefree and I used to sleep in his truck and all these kind of things, um, Eddie was a different bloke to the to the Jordan of today. So, I mean, he's still fun. I, I still like Eddie. He just talks like a lot of rubbish these days. So, Is it an act or is that just the things he thinks? No, no, that's what he thinks. He's, his brain is just basically boiled, I think. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's he doesn't always come up with a lot of sense but occasionally on a good day you can sit down with eddie and have a really nice chat like the old days and then you know it was fun when, when we were all growing up together it was fun to be with eddie because he was so ambitious and and he always had a lot of this bloody bloody you know he made eddie irvin look like a beginner you know i'd rather someone be interesting and wrong than dull and right on some occasion and i, I have to say the channel four crew i don't know if you ever catch it they're quite good at handling him well yeah it's it, it, it's not that difficult to handle him um you just sort of say shut up eddie you know um and he gets that so but they are you know they've got to the the celtic fringe i call them the channel four team um coulthard and jordan is celtic isn't he oh right yeah, but, yeah but weber is weber, weber's an australian mate they always just say what they think you know what a load of old beep you know <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. ready to pop the question 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Oh, mate, that's total beep. I'd rather see their grid walk where at least they kind of embrace the awkwardness of it than sort of Brundle just shoving people out of the way and going, Oi, what's the thing? Yeah, but Martin can do that because he's, Cause he's, he's been around. <laughs> well, he's been around for a long time. He can just pick people up and throw them out the way, you know. Oh, so. uh, Dakota C, of course. He's saying, how about the guy who did Andrea Moda formula? Oh, what's his name? Sagetti? Andrea Sassetti. Sassetti. Would you go for a pint with that fella? Mm, no, you might get shot at. For those no. people who don't remember, I think it was 1992 when they had a failed... Uh, no, they, they kept turning up to races and then only racing one car. But your memory of it will be clearer than mine. The one thing I remember is that they had a set of tyres that would go on the car that had eight different race markings on it because they never made it through one session. <laughs> Uh, it was shocking. It was absolutely shocking. It was it was total rubbish. They had a, an engine, a W12 engine. You've got to think about that one for a while. But um, but um, didn't if I'm recalling rightly, didn't they have a driver they just plain hated and didn't want to run? Well, they had a number of drivers along. They had Giacomelli at one point. They had Gary Brabham who did a load of races. Well, he didn't do any races, let's be honest. He did a few sessions because that's as far as they got. Generally, he did about two or three laps and then it broke down. So, uh, I'm just, actually, hang on a minute. No, I had, I'm, uh, talk, I'm talking about life racing engines now. Yes, I thought you were getting confused because it was a guy called... Andrea Moda Formula was... I might have to Google it. Chat. Like, I never normally do this, kids, when we're on the thing. but uh... No, no, Andrea Moda Formula was... was was Perry McCarthy. That's the one. That's the one I was trying to think of. And Roberto Moreno and a man called Duffy Sheardown, who now works in the chocolate industry. And he's a chocolate designer, a very successful one, by the way, and very nice chocolate. Um, and it was a chassis designed by Nick Worth, um, which had been a secret BMW project. Sorry, I am confusing completely with life racing engines, which is another issue. 
which was completely hopeless. So, um, but it's about three or four years earlier. And uh, yeah, Sassetti, they, they, they started late. The whole thing was just a disaster. And uh, Perry McCarthy's Formula One career never really took off. I think I remember him breaking down 30 meters from the pit lane exit, which was kind of sad, really. I also, I think I heard one story where they couldn't afford the right tires. So they put him out in pre-qualifying in old rain tires in the dry. And that put him eight seconds behind his teammate at the time. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, my memory could be failing that, me. But... That, that sounds like one of Perry's stories. Yeah, Perry's full of good stories. So Moreno, Moreno was a decent... I actually saw Moreno in Brazil the other day, who hasn't changed a bit. He's still younger than ever. I don't know how he does it. I think he must have sold his soul to the devil years ago. But um, he's, he's, uh, he's a young, nearly 60 now. Yeah, we're going we're going way back into the past. And do you think that that was the point at which having an independent privateer team of that kind of fashion almost died, really? That's the last time you could just get a wealthy individual to turn up and say, I'm no. going to have an F1 team. No, 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 no. I mean, there have been quite a lot of them recently. Wealthy individuals turning up thinking they can run Formula One teams. Um, Tony Fernandez. Um Vijay Malia, actually, you know, basically they're, they're still around. You just have to have more money. That's the difference. Oh, this fits in with a question we got from Steve Blackout earlier today. Is there a team in F1 history that could have been more of a success in, in your eyes? So like, you know, is there a Andrea Moda formula story with an equivalent, but you think they really did have the potential? There were lots. There were lots and lots. But it's down to money. If you don't have the money... You can't do it. So there's there's twenty thirty teams that would have been better if they had more money. There were good people involved in lots of teams, you know, but but um, without the cash, you never make it. So that that's the fundamental problem. Cool. Well, last time when you were talking about autosport, I wanted to talk more about Mr. Damon Hill that you said you'd bumped into there and uh, and you nodded. So I felt that perhaps I could bring it into this episode, even though it's a little bit disjointed, because as a kid in the 90s, I was born in 1980. So he was very much my first British racing car hero back when it when it was okay to support British racers without being biased. Um, but yeah, he was he was a legend to us. And when uh, the whole thing happened in 94 with Schumacher. That was like a British tragedy against the hated Germans. Shortly afterwards, it was Euro 96 and they did us again on penalties. Um, so, you know, as a, as a teenager in sporting terms, the Germans thumped us at everything. I was just pleased they didn't play cricket. Well, you're going to be upset. A lot of people on Reddit are going to be very upset by these, this kind of news. Look, um, Damon was a, was a, was a great driver a great achiever and he still is a great he's a very unusual grand prix driver because he's so he's much smarter than most of them um he has he's an intellectual secretly damon mm. hill is an intellectual so um but he's a quiet he intellectual isn't he? he doesn't shout and scream about it no no he doesn't and he deliberately plays it down but he is a but he is a he's a very intelligent man and i have an enormous amount of time for him and, um, you know, I think what he achieved was extraordinary. I mean, he drove for Williams, so it was obviously an advantage. But nonetheless, he had, he had an extraordinary ability to dig deep. And, and 
he be, he beat Schumacher on several occasions. Japan '94 and and of course Adelaide '94, where Michael Schumacher crashed into him because Damon had pushed him so hard that Michael crashed into the wall, and it was bouncing off the wall that Michael took Damon out, and and Damon should really just have sat back. Um, and, and of course, racing drivers never just sit back. You know, if there's a gap, they go for it. But if he'd sat back and Schumacher had come bouncing off the wall, he would have retired and Dame would have won the world championship. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the chat room is pointing out Damon Hill follows Mist Apex on Twitter, which makes him even cooler. That's brilliant. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a very cool dude, actually, to be fair. I mean, I love Damon to death. He's, he's a super bloke. So yeah. And also he's kind of, he's had a second life. So a lot of the younger people only know him as, this sort of cool, calm pundit, but he never, he's so articulate. He never loses his cool. And he always seems to do kind of a considered view. He's like the anti Jordan. Yeah, I'd say so. Or the, or the intelligent Herbert, you know, I love Johnny Herbert. I think he might be my favorite. So do I, but that doesn't mean that he does the crossword puzzle. Um, but th- those are two guys who had like massive challenges in completely different mm. ways. And you can yeah. kind of, you can see that Damon carries a, a lot of weight around on his shoulders ah uh, i think it's self-imposed weight yeah johnny johnny is the remark i mean the irony is that when it came to pure talent damon won the world championship and johnny didn't and johnny johnny had talent dripping from every pore if johnny herbert hadn't smashed his legs up in formula 3000 uh he would have been a match for anybody yeah real shame. I'm, not, I'm not sure that schumacher would have beaten him no, 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 seriously. Johnny had extraordinary abilities. And if you think that he went on and he won races after smashing his legs into tiny little bits and pieces that they had to put together, you know, and, and the agony, the pain that Johnny went through um, and coming back to racing after what he'd done, it's a major achievement. What Johnny achieved is extraordinary. And the thing I love most of all about Johnny is he's not bitter. There is no bitterness. And, you know, he had an accident. His opportunities were limited thereafter, and he made the most of them, which is astonishing. And it's terrific. And he's a lovely, lovely bloke. But don't confuse him with somebody who does the crossword puzzle. I bet he's really smart, Joe. That's what I'm going on the record to say in case it affects my future potential sky deals. Uh, (laughs) But speaking about uh, maybe some British guys who weren't as happy-go-lucky – uh, I can't remember who asked the question now, so I apologise. But people were asking about Nigel Mansell. Uh, everyone says about him being difficult or a hard man, and it's so universal that it makes you think that maybe it's true. But again, I mean, I was a very young man watching Nigel Mansell, and he was just this British bulldog, just a lion of a man. Uh, but you think he was difficult to work with? Joe is nodding. Yes. Yes, he was difficult because on a good day, he was terrific. and On a bad day, he was awful. Um, and the thing about Nigel is you never knew what you're going to get. I mean, as a driver, you can't, you can't fault him. He was just absolutely astonishing what he did. But he did everything with a sense of theater. You know, everything had to be more difficult than it was. I remember him, him being asked in 92 when he was winning the world championship, just walking it. And he'd won a number of races. <clears throat> and somebody said, why can't you just admit you've got the best car? You know, not, oh, it's not, you know, oh, it's not that easy, you know. Um, but that's Nigel, you know. Everybody, racing drivers are, are not necessarily normal, functional human beings. 
you have to be a little bit mad. And and Nigel had his own sense of Nigel always had to be dramatic about everything he did. But fundamentally, he's a very good bloke. Um, but he was a pain in the ass to a, a beep, a pain in the whatever to work with from eh. time to time. Yes, parents are used yep. to it now. They know what they're getting. Well, there's not. What's wrong with the word ass anyway? To be honest, you know, we've all got one. Daddy, what's a brothel? <laughs> so. Uh... Bradley Philpot, a uh, race of champions, superstar and a uh, race instructor extraordinaire, mm. says, yeah, but Mansell's got an ego. Bradley, dude, every, don't don't all racing drivers have an ego? Every racing driver has a massive ego. Otherwise, they wouldn't be racing drivers. And anyone who puts a mic in front of their face. Absolutely. And in fact, an ego is a good thing because if you if you have no ego at all, you have no ambition. Yeah, I agree. And you've got to kind of back yourself. You can't get into a racing car and think, well, I'm a bit rubbish and I might kill myself today, but let's give it a good old fashioned try. I'm not sure if I'm the best, but I'll give it a go. It doesn't work like that. You know, you have to believe in yourself. And so, yeah, an ego is, of course, he had an ego. They all have egos. Some have more than others. You know, some of them have absolutely ridiculously huge egos. But some of the people who were failed racing drivers were even worse. So... I'm glad you said about just getting in a car and going for it, Joe. You are committed, I believe, to coming with us to Daytona Motorsport to do some karting on the 27th of January. Come on, get in a cart, Joe. Come meet the gang. I can't, actually. Oh, because, I ha- because of fear. I have a, I have a previous engagement. <laughs> I actually do. On the 27th, I have to be at a, a birthday party for a nice young lady, so... Okay, so she is going to be quite disappointed when you inevitably come around and do some karting with us. But for you listeners who'd like to come, uh, get in touch with me, spannersready at gmail.com. We are doing 50 minutes on track at Daytona Motorsport uh, for 60 quid. So we've got a good deal because they like Missed Apex podcast. Come and race me, Bradley Philpot, Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens, Matt Summerfield from motorsport.com. And who else we've got? Some muggins. Catman might be there as well. Uh, so come meet the gang. Come and race us. So, Joe, uh, I'm why, not doing Why don't you invite, you know, why don't you invite the Karun Chandoks of the world? They'll always, they'll go to the opening of an envelope. Well, because we're just bottom feeders, Joe. Do you know what I mean? We're not, we're not, we're not top, we're not top rated. I mean, maybe in a couple of years when Liberty Media has embraced podcasting as a legit frontline media, we can do that. I think they already have. It's just a matter of they're trying to figure out how to make money out of it, probably. Which podcast? Tell me. Tell me. Which ones is it? Don't tell me they're doing the, the F1 sake. They just do naughty mm. words all the time. No, I don't think they will do anything like that. But uh, anyway, we'll see how they go. But uh, So you can't, you can't see a time where Liberty Media just engages with us mere mortals. I know you have taken the odd snipe at the, uh, you know, the laptop bedroom people saying that perhaps, you know, they're – well, you've used the word bottom feeders, I believe. Yes, I have. Am I and a bottom feeder, Joe? No, obviously not. But uh, otherwise, I wouldn't necessarily. No, no, <laughs> you're not because you're doing something. And you made an effort. You came and asked me. It was a small effort. But nonetheless, you came and asked me to do things. And I, I said, why not? The guy's smart enough to ask me. I'll do it. Where I have a problem, and I've always had a problem, is people who stay at home and say, I can't afford to do this. Now, podcasting is different to being a journalist. If you want to be a journalist, and that's why Will Buxton made it. That's why a lot of others made it. You get off your bottom and you go out and do it. And if you struggle, you struggle. But those people who do that have respect. They win respect from people in the business. 
just as I got off my bottom and went off and a generation before me and a generation before that and a generation before that. So if you want to be a Formula One reporter, get off your bottom, stop sitting in the bedroom saying it's not fair and go and make it happen. Even if you have to rob mail trains. Oh, wow. Joe Saywood condones armed robbery. That's the headline. That'll, that'll get us on Reddit. That'll get us on yeah. Reddit front, front well, page. Well, Reddit, who cares? Maybe GP Plus magazine needs an official podcast, Joe. <gasps> Audio interviews. Come on, I can carry bags. I can lift water. I go, Here's your coffee, Mr. Saywood, sir. Here you go. Two sugars. Yeah, unfortunately, to do interviews in the paddock is a fee. Uh, you can cover it. You got it. You're all over it. No. Well, Darren asks. I can, I can have a word with Chase. Have, have a word. See if I Chase. can come in. Go on. Can we come in and do it for free? And he'll say, well, funnily enough, the BBC is paying this amount of money. Right. So we really think that you should possibly pay the same, or... which I fully, I fully understand. Now, the option is is to sit outside the paddock and try to do interviews off-site. And I can tell you now it doesn't work because no racing driver in his right mind leaves the racetrack and goes off and then does interviews with other people. Look, you tell Chase about how I do these soft-touch interviews and never put you under any pressure, and he'll be here in the shed, and then he'll return the invitation. It's foolproof. You need to think these things through, Joe. You need to just churn them out. You reckon? uh, This this man used to be the chairman of Fox, and they're well known for biting the heads off small children. So, you know, he's a very affable fellow, but I think when it comes to business, um, he, he has a guillotine that works. We'll have to think of another way. Come on, chat room. Seriously, email me, spannersready at gmail.com. Let's get in there. Darren asks, what is the most impressive way someone has blagged their way into a paddock? And he quotes the story of Perry McCarthy pretending to deliver pizza. There must be loads of stories of young journalists just like hopping fences. Uh, There are lots of, uh, yeah, but it doesn't happen anymore because once it's electronic, it's very hard to do. But uh, Maurice Hamilton uh, a, a much older journalist than I arrived in Formula One with a credential that said he worked for a magazine called Horse and Cart of Ireland. Um, but he, I think he'd actually, um, uh, well, he, he might have just um, created that one, forged it perhaps, you know. Do you think? So, well, yes, I do. Actually, I know because he's admitted to it. But in those days, you could do that. Nowadays, you can't do it because you have to have this thing that goes meh. When you go through the electric thing. So that's so. where Notting Hill got that plot line where Hugh Grant was a writer for The Horse and Hound to go and interview. You're just dropping yes. stuff, Joe. Is that your mic falling apart? No, it was, it was actually my wedding ring falling off, so I better put it back on again. <laughs> no, that's it. That's the end of your marriage. That's uh, that's the rules of, uh, yeah. of that. Uh, okay, so sorry. I'm getting distracted by the chat room. Uh, Bradley has actually just messaged Karoon to see if he'll come karting. Not if he's fast, though. I want that podium, and we've already got two quick people in the event. <laughs> I can't believe you've let us down for this, Joe. Right, uh, where are we going next? I don't live in the same country, do I? So what can I say? <sighs> Just excuses, Joe. Right, okay, so I've done my failed attempt to get into the paddock. We've done pizza. All right, here's one to end on then, Joe, because we're 50 minutes in. Let's get your your knees on the line. Put your knees on the line. Uh, for some predictions for next year, and I'll also give you mine. And then as the season unfolds, we can see how much better at punditry I am than you. Oh, yeah. Go on, then. Let's let's give it let's give it a go here. What have I got? I've got to scroll down a bit. Um, I think the first one was, ah, McLaren-Renault. Okay, so here's my prediction. They will finish fifth fighting with Force India. No, they'll be ahead. 
So you're putting all their woes down to Honda. And you yes. think that that, so, I mean, a lot of people are really saying they're going to be challenging podiums. They're going to be challenging Red Bull. And I just think there's a lot of wishful thinking there because people loved McLaren. It hurt to see them so slow and so far behind that it's very easy to say it was just Honda. But in reality, have they not lost years of useful development with a rubbishy engine? No. Next question. Oh, come on, Joe. No, 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 no. It, look at it. Look at it logically. At places where the engine didn't matter, the McLaren was competitive. So you're putting them third or fourth? I think they'd, they'd struggle to be third, but I think fourth is perfectly doable, yes. All right. The next one is Williams. Okay. So I'll give you mine now. I think Williams will be all but last, except for Haas and Toro Rosso. No. So no. I think Sauber will beat them. Why in the world would you think that? Because it's Alpha now, and Alpha's mint. They're great Alphas when they go in. What makes you think that a, that, that a few million dollars in Alpha sponsorship is going to make a difference? If you don't have the technical genius, you ain't going to do it. Now, do Sauber have the right technical people? Interesting question. The only way we can find that out is next season. Do Williams have the right technical people? They've probably got more of a chance. So, you know, right, they haven't done it awfully well for the last few years. But they have a new aero, they have a new vehicle dynamics, and they have a new technical director. So they should be better. They have a Mercedes engine. Therefore, logically, they should be ahead of Force India. My thinking is they no longer have Felipe Massa, who was their last semblance of a world-class driver. There is also the question of drivers, yes. They should beat Force India if they have good drivers. Right. So given that they have a rookie and stroll, I really fear that they're going to struggle. Okay, maybe I'm being a bit pessimistic, but you surely can't see them really pushing up against Red Bull and McLaren next season. No, I don't. Cool. Well, I cannot wait to see who is right and wrong. It's 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 uh, the thing is after but they, testing, but they won't be down the back. You don't think so, right? Okay. The thing is after I testing, hope, though, you can not. get a good idea, can't you? Like after no. those first two tests, no. Well, I mean, didn't Ferrari show their colours a little bit after the second week's test this season, and we got a great hint that they were going to challenge. You can do things in testing you can't do any other time, so you can run all the time without fuel, make yourself look good if you're trying to get a sponsorship deal. It happens all the time. So My theory was that that is exactly what Williams did before they mysteriously secured Martini at the 11th hour before the 2014 season. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Okay, then. Right, where are we going now? The Toro Rosso battle, okay? Out of the two kids there, who is going to win? Because I'm not sure we can get any useful data about the car with two rookies in there. So what's left to fight over is which of those two young guns we're fighting for. I'm backing Hartley all the way. Experienced, cool head. He's going to just plug away with good results and wear down Gasly. Yeah, I'd agree with that. We agree- Is that the first one we agreed on? Sounds like it. Okay. See, someone who's giving me credit might think that I was deliberately doing the wrong thing to tease the right answers out of you, Joe. But not many people will do that. Okay, and then then, uh, here's an easy one. Championship winner next season. Mm. Well, it depends if Sebastian Vettel throws any more wobblies, really, I suppose. Um, If Sebastian stays calm and delivers the goods, Ferrari should have won the championship this year, to be honest. So... You have to say that they have a good chance next year. Having said that, Mercedes were 
um, slightly shocked that we're Ferrari so fast. So they've probably improved a bit. So you can't really tell until we go into the season what's yes. going to happen. I know you're a respected journalist, but what we do here is wildly speculate. And you're on our turf at the moment. So wild speculation, you know. You have Mercedes. To just, yeah, get in there. Um, but does it come down to their number one is better and their number two is better than their number two? No. No, no, it comes down to a thousand different things. You cannot judge a racing team by the cover. Fair enough. Let's go for Renault then. Renault, A, will they finally become the works team to challenge uh, alongside the other works teams? And who will win? Uh, As I would predict, Carlos Sainz, I think, is going to easily get the measure of Hulkenberg over the course of a season. Why in the world would you say that? Because he's brilliant. Is he? Well, if he was so brilliant, how come he didn't get the measure of Halkenberg in the last few races? Halkenberg gave him a good spanking, I thought. All right, then. I reckon by Monaco, Carlos is in the ascendancy already. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. See, look at you coming to battle with, uh, with us bottom feeders and our world speculation. It's, it's hard to battle our illogic. Your illogic. Yes, it's true. So what are you looking forward to most next season? What is what is the thing that is making you think that will be a good story? This is going to be the thing that grips me all season long. I haven't even got that far. I haven't got to thinking about next season at all yet. I'm still thinking about last season and finishing off all the work that needs to be done. In about mid-January, I'll start thinking about next year. And I'm serious. Honestly, I haven't had time. I've had a, you know, there's a few thoughts I've just sort of come up with in, in the course of this conversation, but in terms of how it will all turn out. I've no idea. And that's one of the glorious things about it. All I know is it'll probably be a damn good show. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have good races and, and we won't have too much politics because politics is dull. Yeah, that's right. That's why I didn't ask you about Carmen Jorda being made the female representative in a rather bold move by the FIA. Well, one of the female representatives. Personally, I think it's absolute rubbish and she shouldn't be allowed in. But there you are. I'm sure that there's a, there's a, there's a chat room on Reddit that will defend her fervently with lots of noises. Is that Spanish, Joe? Yes, it was. Right, okay. Yeah, just checking. Just double confirming that. So you're, you're not a fan of that? She's in favour of a female-only league? Are you? No, it's total rubbish. If you're, it's ultimately sexist, isn't it? If you can't make it with the big boys, let's just have a little championship of our own. It won't survive more than 10 minutes. They tried it in the 1920s. Well, the female darts league isn't sexist, is it? uh, We're not darts. We're playing motor racing here. It's different. So I can't, I can't comment about darts, but all I know is that they tried female racing leagues in the twenties. Didn't work. Um, and the best females can compete with men. And if Carmen can't, she's in the wrong business. And she certainly shouldn't have a voice on the, on the, uh, on the commission. Get it's some serious people on it. It's hard to argue with that. But I do know my little girl, she said to me, no, racing drivers are boys because that's all she sees. Is there no merit at all in a female-only series where I can sit down with my little daughter and she can look at people that she relates to, get her own little heroes and and make her want to jump into a cart on a Sunday. Of course she can. We doesn't have to look at female racing only. Go and read uh, read. Go and watch the supercars in Australia. Simona de Silvestro is giving it to the boys to some extent. <laughs> Not yet, but she's a, she's a proper class act racing driver, 
And she's shown in the past that in Indianapolis and in Indy car racing that she's perfectly good competing. She hasn't. She didn't win. She finished second. Was her best result. Danica Patrick won an Indy car race. So, you know, there are girls who are good enough. So why do you need to have a championship just for girls when you know it's second rate and when you know that it doesn't isn't well, what's it going to lead to? You know, what's the point? I just don't understand. You might as well, if you're going to do it, go play with the big game. And and that's how you inspire people. So I, I think that these ladies you've mentioned there, Danica Patrick, um, Simona Silvestre, they prove one thing, which is that a woman can definitely get in these machines and, and do the business. The problem is, is we don't have enough of the women to make an impact and to pop out regular Formula One drivers, you know, uh, a Formula One champion, an IndyCar champion, even a title contender, because we don't have enough coming in. So isn't isn't there no, just a case for like a positive discrimination no, just to up not, the profile? It's, it's not that. It's not that. It's a, um, there is a fundamental question, whether we like it or not, and we can pretend that everyone's the same. We're not the same. Men and women are not the same. And if you ask the chairman of the Women in Motorsport Commission, if she thinks that Formula women can win a Formula One World Championship, she will say no. She doesn't believe that. And that's Michel Mouton. And Michel Mouton was one of the great rally drivers of the 1980s. You know, she had plenty of guts, let's say. Um, and her argument is very simple, which is that if, if it's me, if it's her, against the clock, she's racing the clock. She doesn't have to deal with unpredictable men. She's racing a clock. She goes up a hill and she can drive right on the edge and she can push. She, you know, she, hold, she held the, the lap record at Pike's Peak for a while and places like that. You know, this, this is a, a very talented lady. But when it comes to the aggression of actual racing, men do things in a split second that women don't do. They think about it for a tenth of a second. And that's what she believes is the problem. And I think she's right. Now, I don't think, you know, that there may come a day when a woman will come along who doesn't think like that and can win. But fundamentally, uh, thus far, we haven't seen anybody. We, we can see people able to win the occasional races, but to win a championship, Formula One drivers are aggressive people. They are full of testosterone. And this is something that your average female doesn't have too much of. And if they do, Avoid him because you're in trouble, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I completely respect what you're saying. Just for the record, because people will ask me, um, I, I think a woman can win the Formula One World Championship. I think they can be aggressive enough, certainly in my house. I, I really do believe the problem lies with getting the participation, getting the sheer numbers in. If you if you had half of all karting participants being women, then at some point yep. you would get a female challenging for the World Championship. Okay, but whose fault is that? Uh, society, uh, marketing. Correct. Yes, it's not F1's fault. Uh, you're yeah. 100% correct. Yeah. At 13 years of age, up to 13, there are lots of girls karting. At 13, when most 13-year-olds are not at their most confident. You know, you're teenage years, you're going through all kinds of changes, you're not really confident. And people say to you, well, come on, you're a girl now, you've got to wear frocks. And your parents say, well, yeah, now, you've, now you've yeah. got to be a, a woman, and now you have to do womanly things. 
And so there's very few of them who say, actually, no, I want to go on being a racing driver because it's then they're not confident enough to stand up and say, no, 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 I'm going to do this. So the problem is in society, we have to have society accepting that women can be racing drivers. Now, in order to achieve that, you have to have one or two successful ones. But Carmen Georgia is not the right answer. No, you won't get too many arguments here, Joe. Uh, It's just that I noticed an interesting phenomenon with my five-year-old and seven-year-old. We turned up at a track day. My seven-year-old instantly said to a person, what's your name? Yeah, what's your name? They ran up off a hill. They rolled down it. They started punching each other. Whereas my daughter would be like, what's your name? How do you feel about today? Are you excited? And she didn't quite fit in to that group. If there was a female-only karting club, she would be far more likely to keep turning up and she would enjoy also the social aspect of it, which is what made me think that perhaps having female-only, not that women can't do other series, but having kind of safe places, i do not that's the wrong word, but places where they are in their own natural environment, not trying to shoehorn into a male environment, might yeah, be but, productive at some point. Yes, but then, then you put them in a protected environment, and where are they going to go at the end of it? You've got to come out and play the big game at the end of it. So it's no good. It's like, it's like racing in Japan. You know, you are in a protected environment. You only race at certain circuits. You eat the same food. You race to certain rules. And when you go to Europe, all of a sudden everything goes, this is not what I'm used to. And very, that's why there have been no Japanese Grand Prix winners. Yep. And, and I understand your point of view completely. But as with all positive discrimination, I think it's meant to be temporary, isn't it? Until we can kind of fix an imbalance from the past. And then we don't need those crutches anymore. Yeah, but I just I don't think it's a sensible way of doing it. That's just my view, but I don't think it is. So, see, politics isn't so boring, Joe. It's not politics. Of course, it is. <laughs> Joe, thank you very much for joining us throughout 2017, and I hope you've enjoyed it enough to come back in 2018. Uh, highlight of the season, your very favourite thing from this year. Oh God, I don't know. Um, my very favourite favourite thing of this year. Podcast, podcast, Joe. Po- podcast. Yeah, I, I get that. I get yeah. that. But I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> the one thing that's not my favourite thing is is this. The Halo is a disaster. Um, my favourite thing of the year. I haven't got a clue. I think I think I like the fact that that Lewis Hamilton is driving in a class of his own. He is. It, it's a pleasure to watch him, and it reminds me a lot of Senna. And I, and I mean that most sincerely, folks, as they used to say. Um, he's, he's just at a, at a level with the car and the level of confidence and everything. He's just, it's real class. And it's nice to watch that. And I hope it goes on because you don't see drivers like that very often. Excellent. Thanks so much for your insight, Joe. You can join us throughout the winter break as we give you the second part of Matthew Summerfield's Tech Time. Uh, We give you a bit of Bradley Philpott Masterclass and some news for our New Year's episode. And then we will catch you back on the live stream on the 7th of January. Have a happy Christmas and a happy New Year. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. Him. That intro nearly went well. Outro. See, oh, I'm all over the place. It's because of my non-Lemsip medicine. See, instead of Lemsip, I went for Brewdog instead. It's not quite had the same effect, you see. No. So what you're saying is that it's actually beer. Is that what you're saying? It is alcohol beer, yeah. Very good. All right. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.